the New Zealand Tech Podcast. Brought to you by Gorilla Technology. Proactive and strategic IT. Greetings and welcome along to the New Zealand Tech Podcast. I'm your host, Paul Spain. And today, Stephen Phillips back in the studio. Welcome, Stephen. How are you? Very good. Looking forward to the new decade. Yes, very, very exciting. Uh, now, this is really our our kickoff for the year for the New Zealand Tech Podcast. So, um, thank you for joining the show. Maybe you can remind listeners where you fit into this big, wide world of tech here in New Zealand. Yeah, um, I, I work in the software sort of industry, sort of uh, working for Sumo Logic. Uh, we're a player in cloud native um, machine data for continuous intelligence. So, understanding sort of. Um, insights into your business and security and uh, innovation and disruption um, all by what the what the computers uh, tell us right analyzing all that all that data that absolutely uh, making that sense gets, gets stored and making something useful out of it absolutely yeah good stuff well look great to have you on the show um, doubly because uh, sumo logic is is one of our partners for the show uh, alongside Vodafone New Zealand uh, spark New Zealand uh, vocus HP and Samsung. So uh, huge thanks to uh, all of all of those organisations uh, for their support of the tech sector here in in New Zealand, um, and of course um, their support of making the New Zealand Tech Podcast possible. So let's jump in. There has been so much happening since we, we last had a uh, an an, ep- an episode. So uh, you know let, let's uh, let's look at some of that. I've been away uh, travelling, so I've spent uh, spent a number of weeks in. Uh, in Asia, I've spent some time uh, camping over the break. There's been uh, all sorts, uh, so we might dive into uh, into some of those uh, learnings from uh, from uh, travel. We've had uh, CES, the Consumer Electronics Show, of course, taking place uh, in Las Vegas in the last uh, last few days. And um, a bunch of local uh, news as as well from a New Zealand perspective. So I think uh, plenty of things to to cover, uh, and we won't necessarily get through it all on this episode. Some of the some of the areas like uh, CES, uh, we'll be picking up. Maybe talking about some of those uh, those announcements and uh, so on. A bit of analysis over uh, over future episodes. Um, but one headline that really caught my attention in the last few days uh, was around, uh, this was what the headline read on TechCrunch, was India's top court rules indefinite internet shutdown in Kashmir unwarranted and basically amounting to an abuse of power. Now this seems to be quite sort of politically uh, politically charged and driven. I know you connected um, with a friend of yours in India for you know his insights and even when I read the story on on TechCrunch, the first um, the first you know I read through what their analysis was, and then I read the first comment, and it was from somebody in India basically saying that the the, the journalist here um, you know was not giving a balanced view, and this person was no longer going to be uh, you know reading reading that publication. So um, you know it's it's. I guess uh, something that it may be a little bit hard to get the the facts, uh, you know, absolutely clear. But the idea of uh, a region having internet cut off to me just seems, you know, ab- absolutely mind blowing because we're we're so reliant 
on it now for you know simple basic uh, communications and understand that there's been um, you know well apparently uh, also impact to uh, mobile uh, communications as well so imagining a scenario where you can't make a maybe make a mobile call maybe you can't text message uh, you can't you know run your business or, or you know let's say all your you know your data and stuff is in the cloud your accounting systems um, you know if you're a retailer and you've got a point of sale system I mean, what isn't connected to the internet now how could you how could I mean much at all operate without it's internet connectivity mind boggling yeah yeah, you know, certainly, there's companies that are doing you know food delivery and all those types of things. There, um, they're they're not going to be able to actually you know deliver food to people. So mm, it's mm. yeah, we've disrupted so much of uh, our lives now that without the internet, I think. Uh, uh, not a good situation. Yeah, yeah. So, um, look, there's there are, there's a bit of a bunch of coverage of this stuff on, online. Um, you know, I'm still trying to get my head around, you know, exactly what is the right and balanced and, and, and fair coverage online. But just the whole concept of it, um, yeah, to me is is really really you know shocking um and from the bit i read if the if you know the facts were correct it's certainly pleasing that um you know the top court in india is is saying hey this isn't you know this isn't something that uh, a government can can choose to do um but yeah i'm not saying that i've got all necessarily all the in all the ins and outs i think you'd probably need to you know look over you know a number a number of different media to uh, to get a, a fair and and balanced viewpoint on it. and i think today we have this challenge that um you know, media tends to be very politically um, aligned and so you know you look at in the US and you know there's some that are particularly left some that are particularly right yeah. there's probably not a whole lot that are that are that are very balanced um, and and giving a you know a fair you know a fair view across you know from from all perspectives and seems to be becoming more and more of a challenge doesn't it C- certainly is and I, and I think you know my colleague up in India today he was he was saying that you know some of the social sort of uh, media sort of networks um, they they are actually being uh, uh, potentially abused to actually get out fake news and the like so I think we're well and truly into the uh, into the decade of um, you know, fake news uh, in- interfering basically with how how countries and sovereign sort of nations operate, and and I think this is partially what we're dealing with here. Yeah, yeah. Um, now, um, uh, jumping on to something you know, something completely different. Um, Microsoft uh, Cortana has uh, has been in the news now. Um, you know, we heard that Microsoft have uh, sort of going through a bit of a change with uh, with Cortana. Of course, you know, Cortana itself as the voice assistant. Um, you know, after after you know many years of wondering when Microsoft to go, when are Microsoft going to um, you know fully launch this this uh, assistant in in New Zealand? They seem to be you know caught like they have done some other areas of their business where. Uh, yeah, they've they've got that area catered to in the US, but they've you know they've sort of forgotten about the rest of the world for you know whatever reasons. But it always creates um, and you know and look, I've you know I've criticised Google for this sort of thing in the past as well, where you know a big global company picks some markets and leaves other markets uh, like New Zealand, um, you know, out out in the cold. Um, and look. The, 
we don't necessarily want to use all the technologies, but there's somebody that wants to use, you know, product X from Google that's maybe not available. Somebody who wants to use something from uh, Microsoft that's not available, and uh, you know, you you feel like, hey, you know, is it is it right that we should be, you know, poor cousins down here in New Zealand? We should have access to all technology, and yeah, of course, there are other countries where English isn't isn't the primary language and and they maybe get left even you know even further behind in some regards um but this was not what um the 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 reason that cortana um was in was in the news i mean there has been in some of the tech media sort of some of this coverage around um Microsoft actually shutting down Cortana um, and uh, um, you know changing what's uh, what's available. I've got actually um, a Cortana um, speaker in my office from uh, Harman Kardon because we often tended to for the podcast try out technologies maybe aren't available in New Zealand. There's been media coverage around that um, breaking and and not working for uh, for some people. Um, but the 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 big news was. Um, around just how Microsoft were dealing with uh, some of the audio from Cortana and also um, Skype audio. And this, um, if if all the reports are... Um, uh, accurate doesn't uh, doesn't reflect particularly well on uh, on Microsoft and uh, look I was with uh, with Microsoft in their uh, um, uh, new center in in Singapore in December and actually I shared a post on on LinkedIn around uh, how they were starting to roll out the option for staff instead of using the traditional swipe card to uh, to get into you know parts of a building or you know into the building itself, um, offering the option of facial recognition. Now there's a whole sort of can of worms once you you know start uh, dealing with with that sort of information. But from the the, the way I was viewing the, my view of it was well Microsoft are doing this in a in a, um, in a in a you know in a pretty sort of thoughtful manner in which they've moved into um, their um, you know usage of biometric um, data. So basically, it's really on an opt-in basis, and you've got to you don't have a big camera that's capturing you know everybody walking into a premise. You've got to turn and face this thing and so on. So some people were saying, oh, it's not as easy as it should have been. You should just walk up and it automatically detects you and you walk in. Um, and I actually thought, well, actually, their, their approach is much more in line with thinking about, you know, how how important your biometric data um, is, and and keeping that um, private. And so that there are you know a bunch of systems around, you know, how they keep the data and how it gets stored and and so on. And it was like, hey, this is really really thoughtful. I you know like what they've done. Now that's in in comparison with a story that was uh, in the media in New Zealand, uh, where an employee of a firm. 
basically was was told, as we're all staff, that hey, we're moving to a new biometric system. That's how timesheets are going to be kept. And he said, well, look, actually, no, I I don't want to participate in that. I'm not comfortable, um, you know, yeah. with the information you've shared around what you're going to do with my biometric data, how it's going to be stored and 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 secured. So the Microsoft approach being opt-in and you know well thought out. Hey, that that sounded pretty you know pretty reasonable to me. If you're going to roll out this technology, that you don't just do it carte blanche as per the the New Zealand example. Um, but um, with this scenario around uh, Skype. Uh, Skype audio at least and it's possible there's been some sort of a, a crossover between Cortana which is their, their voice assistant and the Skype uh, information so I'm not I'm not sure if the what you know what we heard released um, has been confirmed as being um, both from Skype and uh, and Cortana but ba- basically the the story that um, uh, broke through uh, the Guardian was that uh, this uh, this former contractor uh, in China was basically uh, you know getting sent audio recordings from Skype and was uh, I think you know tra- transcribing them basically and was being sent all this stuff and not in a particularly secure way you know, the, the the message was that. Uh, staff were, you know, it was suggested. Hey, yeah, you can all, you know, you can, you every, you know, a bunch of people should use the same username and, and password to access this because it's easier. And then at some point in time, yeah, he had been office based. They're like, oh no, you can, you can do this from a browser from from home. Uh, and that, you know, there didn't seem to be a VPN wrapped around it. And you know, basically, if some, you know, his uh, point was, if you know, somebody had passed on this username and password, they could have been off downloading, uh, you know, pe- people's, uh, uh, you know, voice audio, information audio, and audio, yeah. you know, audio information. Um, so yeah, quite quite right now, you know, Microsoft have, um, you know, have have responded uh, to that, and I've you know, sent some information uh, today. Their 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 comments were reasonably high level, but they did make the point. We review short snippets of de-identified voice data from a small percentage of customers to help improve voice-enabled features, and we sometimes engage partner companies in this work. They also said we've always disclosed this to companies and operate to the highest privacy standards set out in laws like Europe's GDPR. This past summer we carefully reviewed both the process we use and the communications with customers. As a result we've updated our uh, privacy uh, statement to be more clear about this work and since then we've moved these reviews to secure facilities in a small number of countries now reading between the lines there when you say we've moved these reviews to secure facilities that to me says that they weren't very secure before um Maybe, maybe. Well, when you line that up with the news coverage, I think it, it would be, you know, somewhat fair to draw a conclusion like that, which is at odds with their previous statement about operating to the highest privacy standards. So I'm, I'm I don't know. I don't feel very comfortable about this one. I, I don't know how you feel, Stephen. Yeah, there's certainly some inconsistency there. Uh, yeah, yeah, and usually where there's smoke, there's fire. 
Yeah, so they haven't come out and, I mean, that that's the statement that they sent um, across the New Zealand Tech podcast. So, you know, from, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm concerned. The, the, the media coverage certainly made it look pretty shocking. Yeah. I mean, realistically, and, and look, um, oh. you know, in New Zealand, most of us are involved in, in you know, smaller or much smaller organisations than Microsoft. But I would imagine most listeners to this podcast would understand that you don't send out, you know, even small chunks um, of people's private conversations, um, yeah. oh, you know, in a, ma- in, a, in a manner <laughs> where, where, you know, yeah. a password could be leaked and then something could be downloaded by, um, you yeah. know, a, a random you know, person just it just sounds really, really shocking. So, well, I think the GDPR police will be looking for another high-profile target, and uh, may, maybe maybe that'll happen out of this. We will we, we will see. So, yeah. I mean, obviously, this is a report that you know one person said something. Um, we don't know. You know, we don't really really know all the facts. I imagine there's going to have to be a whole lot more that comes out of this um, over, over time. But as I say, it's sort of, you know, comparing this to the, to this, you know, um, facial recognition situation that Microsoft have been, uh, you know, uh, offering in, in a couple of, um, you know, lo- locations, including um, in, in Singapore, I mean, it just, just, just seems really at odds and it's really hard to get my head around yeah. what's reported with, with you know what we know about modern organisations, and especially uh, you know a company like Microsoft, that you know you know that I mean they they understand you can't just fall foul of these sort of regulations. You, it, I don't know. It's just really the whole thing is is quite uh, head scratching. But you know also the reality is in organizations there are times where um you know i think probably in every organization where uh, someone looks for a, for a for a shortcut to do something and do. Uh, this looks like a pretty big shortcut to yeah me. well it reminds me of the you know the ring situation last year with the you know um colluding with the police um around around the ring doorbell type stuff you know the yeah. same same issues with yeah there was actually a chunk of media coverage yeah. around the, the december time frame um to do with with that and um so i looked and i looked into that um because you know we've we reviewed and talked about the the ring doorbells and their cameras and so on uh, on on the show um, and so I looked into that for them uh, there's Arlo which is one of the other you know yep. big, biggest players uh, and we'll talk about Arlo on on an upcoming show sort of looking to do a bit of a comparison across the different products in the market because they just they just keep changing um, and yeah multi-factor authentication um, hasn't been hasn't been uh, forced, and the le- recent media coverage has has certainly forced uh, or has helped Ring decide to be very forceful now about making sure you've got multi-factor authentication uh, yep. on your accounts. I see um, Arlo have enabled or made um, multi-factor authentication uh, an option, but only in the last sort of yeah, you know, I think six to nine months or so. So there there has been a, a I mean this just general. Um, very relaxed nature about uh, you know how varying technology and companies um, you know treat what you know is is really something that should be you know kept pretty locked down and uh, and 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 confidential. And so you've got these cases, and and I think this is partly where the coverage of 
of Ring was where people were saying, well, you know, someone's speaking to me through my, you know, Ring camera or Ring, you know, doorbell because their their accounts detail, their you know, their username and password maybe got compromised through a you know password hack of another system, but they use the same password possibly. Uh, there were some people that disputed that that could be possible, um, but. Yeah, I mean, we've seen that over years and years, haven't we? That you know, yeah. people having cameras inside their home um, on on you know so many occasions, we've we've seen people getting access to to that stuff. And then I think um, with Ring, they uh, they've been making some footage available to uh, to police without yeah. uh, the disclosure uh, maybe in co- being quite what it should. So they seem to uh, you know addressed uh, worked worked to address that and then maybe they're going a, uh, you know one or two steps sort of further forward now so I think Ring have had probably enough bad coverage around this I would imagine uh, you know if they're not already that they would they'll probably be a bit of a a bit of a leader when it comes to privacy going forward or certainly would uh, would would hope so so yeah, I mean this is going to be an interesting one to to follow on on yeah. that front but you know I guess yeah, sometimes we need people to be made examples of um, before yeah. the the standard sort of you know steps up for uh, uh, for others, and you know in the in the same way, um, yeah, you you look at you know so many risk type things when it comes to, to to technology. It's not till you either hear somebody else's story or you get impacted yourself that you maybe really take things seriously. Yeah. And, and backups was one of those common things in the yeah. in the early days of people. Oh yeah, I'll get around to backing that up. Ah, oh, this technology seems to be pretty reliable. I'll be you know I'll be okay. And then somebody loses some data, and you know suddenly there uh, there's a there's a proper backup policy in place at that organisation. Yeah, because all the, all the, all of their uh, centered up to the clouds also been encrypted with the latest sort of uh, crypto jacking so, <laughs> yes yeah. yes well um, and there was um, company in the in the media and in, uh, in, in recent days uh, on on that uh, on that front um, travelex um, now you know speaking of um, you know things that are that are quite shocking. They're, they're um, you know, this story is pretty mind blowing. I mean, you're talking about a really sizable, um, uh, you know, global entity, TravelX, who uh, you know handle uh, you know foreign foreign exchange, um, you know, all all around the world, uh, working with all sorts of you know numerous banks uh, globally. And uh, you know they you know basically got got hit um, with a you know an incident where uh, where their their systems were uh, uh, compromised and they're basically being a, a ransom um, in place for in the in the direction of about nine million New Zealand uh, dollars was was asked to uh, to you know restore their systems. And um, this is looks to be part of this uh, newer wave we're starting to see in ransomware, um, where the ransomers sort of give a deadline and say, "Well, if you don't pay by this time, we're going to double the fee." That certainly is, you know, as part of what we're seeing uh, starting to happen. So it puts 
Uh, whereas in the past we've we've heard and and been aware of it being the other way around. You know, they'll ask for a big amount in some cases. No, no, we're not paying that much, and then they might you know slowly bring it down over time till it's uh, till it's tempting. But you know, this way of of putting it up, um, you know, creates a, a much bigger. Uh, pressure on an organisation and here we are uh, the original um, incident that shut down TravelX was uh, around I think the 30th of uh, of December here we are mid-January and they're not fully uh, you know they're not fully back online their websites have have got you know messages on them you know saying saying they're offline um, they've corrected the, uh, or you know, they've got more honest messaging on their websites now, which initially said they were carrying out routine maintenance. Uh, but yeah, web websites down, and um, I mean, I would think at, at their scale, you know, put all the risks and 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 so on aside. Um, but this is one of those, uh, I, I would hope, you know, minority of situations where them paying out the attack uh, may well have cost them uh, a lot less than than trying to uh, than trying to address it. Uh, Nine million dollars versus you know a, a global entity whose brand is you know maybe pretty much out the window now. You can imagine this is the sort of thing that would shut you know shut down um, you know the business permanently. Yeah, well, the, the actors in this case basically do their research. They look at their company's basically annual reports. They see how much free cash they've got. They know exactly how much money they can mm. they can get out, and yeah. they, they can understand um, if they disrupt the, you know, the there's an ROI there. They they know exactly what to ask for. Mm. Yeah, mm. they're very 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 smart. Yeah, oh, it's shocking. If you go to travelx.co.nz, you you know you'll see the the messaging. Um, it, it says we're sorry, but our online travel money service isn't available right now. This is a result of a software virus, um, and it tells you about their precautionary measures of um, taking their systems offline to prevent the spread of the virus further across the network. Um, yeah. Yeah, well, you've you've probably got a good uh, fifty organisations now that are, that that is their main business, mm. um, going after these types of targets. Yeah, well, there's there's mo- there's money to be made, um, sadly, and and that's why we'll keep seeing uh, more of these things. The other thing which seems to be uh, a trend, I understand, with uh, with the ransom type situations is. And I mean, I've certainly talked to customers about this being a possibility in years gone by, but now we're starting to see it mm-hmm. where they will say, look, you pay up or we're going to take your confidential data and actually, you know, publish it online. So traditionally with ransomware, it's just like, look, you know, um, we've, we've you know, you've got no longer got access to your data. Um, we will we will give it you know we will restore these encrypted files if you pay us. Uh, now it's like well sure you can not pay us and recover your backups and get your data back, but we've taken some copies and uh, we will put that stuff online and um, you know embarrass you and and you know cause whatever other impact. And of course there was uh, I think it was British Airways that you know got into mm-hmm. trouble and um, you know hundreds of millions of dollars in, uh, in in EU fines. So you know this this stuff is not uh, uh, necessarily getting 
any nicer for uh, for organisations that don't manage to protect themselves. Yeah, it sort of certainly um, makes you think that uh, you know one of the key things to protect yourselves is actually having everything encrypted all of the time. Mm. And um, I've certainly on you know, on the cyber wire in the last week, uh, we're now starting to see a new class basically of um, security control tools and protective tools. Uh, that will allow you to actually have all of your data encrypted the whole time. So even if the bad guys get to the data, they, they can't use the they data. Can't, they, can't, so, they can't really yeah. do anything with it. Yeah, so there's a yeah. company called Unveil that's sort of just starting to get into funding rounds at the moment that's yep. starting to do that. Um, yeah, I, I think you, it's going to be one you, to watch. You would expect that would just have to become the norm now it's just it's too risky to do anything else right? yeah but yeah. I, I think it's not going to really sort of get too many legs though until till it's really a service available from the public cloud providers mm, so from the mm. likes of you know amazon google microsoft yeah yeah, yeah. agreed um now uh, oh there's so many th- so many things to talk about Stephen. um a couple of just quick um Things that I, I picked up in my in my travels, and I may well share, um, you know, more in the future. But uh, Uber has uh, has disappeared, uh, you know, reasonably largely in in Asia, where they, you know, they did yep. uh, they, you know, they did deals. They they did the um, deal with uh, Didi uh, in in China, which meant that basically, uh, you know, Didi replaced uh, replaced Uber and. Uh, um, you know, took took on their uh, their their business there, and then in other parts of Asia, uh, it was their competitor Grab uh, who taken over. So I first noticed that when when I landed in uh, Singapore, and ended up needing to catch some uh, tr- you know transport and in, into the city, and um, I, I mean I was sort of aware of it, but I. You know, could never quite remember exactly which country did and didn't didn't have it because um, Uber is still in operation in uh, in Taiwan, for instance. Um, but anyway, Singapore and uh, Philippines, the Uber Uber has gone, and I was in those uh, uh, those t- two countries, and so I, I was able to test out Grab more extensively than I had done uh, previously, and. Um, one area where they were able to really gain some uh, traction when they were competing with Uber was the fact that they weren't just trying to cookie cut exactly the same service and drop it into all the Asian countries. In the Philippines, a lot of people didn't have a credit card, so there was no way they could use uh, Uber anyway. Um, so Grab had this ability to pay with cash, uh, and then they've they've extended that in a whole lot of areas. They do food deliveries and 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 so on. But you can actually pay people via via Grab as well. And how do you build up some money? In your Grab account, if you don't have a credit card, well, your um, Uber food delivery person or driver, you can give your cash to them, and they become like a bank teller and top up your account. It's almost like um, um, Africa had had something similar to that. And uh, instead of it being cash or credit cards, uh, you were trading basically in uh, minutes, basically through your mobile provider. Yes, yes, yeah. I yeah, heard of that. Yeah, yeah. In- interesting situations for different different markets. Mm, mm. Yeah. So you know, yeah, re- really interesting. Um, now the bit that blew my mind about uh, Philippines and and not yeah another another thing and just uh, I guess you know shocked I was a, a little bit shocked because I've been to Philippines before the traffic wasn't that bad last time 
this time it was so bad. So you could try and you know I'm used to being able to fire up Uber or you know any num you know whatever the the local um, apps are for transport and. I tried uh, a meeting that I had to get to. I tried for the best part of an hour, uh, you know, select my destination in the app, and then it would come back, uh, you know, a period later and say, sorry, we weren't able to get you a ride. So um, this this one get-together I was trying to have... um, I ended up with two other people in other parts of Manila that were they were all three of us were trying to get a ride for me, and uh, event, eventually <laughs> one of them did, and then just after they managed to get a ride, the other one, other one did as well. So we ended up going from hadn't been able to find a car for an hour, to two cars were available to uh, to come and pick me up, um, and then once you got in the traffic. Um, yeah, basically they've they've the complete lack of sort of you know motorway infrastructure. So if, you know if you think of how bad traffic gets on the worst parts of Auckland, Wellington, Christchurch, um, and you know anywhere else in in, in New Zealand, um, yeah, I mean it was just it was just so 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 much worse. And it, I mean it was added to by you know there were a whole lot of complicating factors with. Uh, you know Christmas and holidays and then it was also these sort of you know standard um, dates in the month where where everybody gets paid so payday um, you know becomes um, you know just a, a peak period for for all the retailers because it's it's all quite consistent over there um, and yeah it was it was it was a nightmare they even you know we went to um, a tech meetup in um, uh, Manila and it took us two hours to get, you know, what in a normal city is, you know, might take you, you know, fifteen minutes to get that sort of, you know, distant yeah. distance, ten or fifteen minutes. So, uh, yeah, it was um, yeah, not too much fun, shall I say? So, uh, yeah. Do you think it was just a lack of number of cars on the road, or do you think uh, may- maybe you were, you know, Uber not being popular there anymore has meant that um, the business is being picked up and there isn't isn't the coverage anymore in, on Uber in those markets? Uh, I mean, there were just well, once you got on the road, there were way too many vehicles on the road. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's the aspect that they don't seem to have probably the extremes uh, with the incentives for their drivers so if you think of in you know in new zealand i'm not sure what the what the 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 you know top amount is but if you're trying to catch a ride on say you know new year's eve or you know something like that or back from a you know a a big Mm -hmm. uh you know concert or a sports game um, then you get that surge pricing, right? And it can, I don't know, I think, you know, I've seen it maybe seven times the normal price or something. Well, not it wasn't getting to that sort of extreme. Um, mm. And maybe their, you know, their, their numbers were such that, like, well, if we get to that, we're just going to really upset everybody. And, mm. But it was high enough that the drivers, you know, probably, you know, if they had time, they were probably getting out on the road because they were getting, mm. you know, maybe at least double what the, you know, what the what the normal would have traditionally been. But yeah, it was no way it was going, you know, to really really crazy heights. It was, yep. and my 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 guess is maybe double what it normally yep. uh, normally was. So there's certainly an incentive for for the drivers to all get out on the road, but right. Um, yeah, not not maybe not high enough incentive or just not enough yeah vehicles in in, in total. Yeah. Um, but also one thing they had in, and I noticed this in uh, Singapore when I fired up the app 
you know, you get these different variations, and one of them was basically um, a sort of a, a carpooling type uh, service. So where it was somebody that had no like, you know, taxi type yeah. qualifications or whatever, they're just happy, you know. Oh, they're they're going from from A to B. Oh, yep. Yeah, you know, I'm going to be picking up my friend from the from the airport. Uh, and I'm going to be heading into town. So if that happens to match up with your ride, then you've got the opportunity of being able to, uh, you know, ride with them as well. And I've certainly wondered for a while when, you know, when in New Zealand, for instance, are we going to see the technology sort of line up for, you know, people that are commuting? You know, I think of people coming into uh, the gorilla office every day. Yes, it might not. You might come in at slightly different times and things. So the traditional sort of carpooling of, you know, of, yeah, okay, you know, Myself and a colleague, because we're going basically a similar route. We, we're, you know, we'll carpool, but a, a technological one that would, you know, pull somebody out because the, you know, the data matches. Oh, yet they're on your on your route, and um, you know, it's just going to, you know, fit together. This is you know, somewhat the closest I've seen of of that done at any sort of, I mean, scale. Yeah. I think there is an app in, you know, in Auckland. There are maybe a few in in New Zealand. To do that sort of thing, but I, you know, yeah, they don't seem to have had much uptake. Well, that, that's how um, Uber's competitor in the US started um, around the campuses and the likes. Um, but then they uh, with Lyft, yeah, with Lyft, right, that's right, exactly yeah. their story. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Had an so, interesting yeah. story in uh, in New Zealand. Um, I, I was out out at the airport, um, bumped into a colleague, sort of at that. We were both trying to order our order our cars, and one kept cancelling on me and then then so so i went from uh, zoomy because i'm you know support yeah. new zealand yeah, yeah um went went on to uber and then picked it up um, and uh, we we both ended up sort of getting into the same car so he actually took took a fare basically as a zoomy driver and an uber driver for the two of us basically one one uh, oh. one fare ah, that, ah, that, that's ah. pretty smart oh, i don't know what the companies would be thinking about that but, wow uh, well yeah because you couldn't uh, you couldn't do that with with yeah. one but if you'd lined up the the destinations right yeah well he he knew where we were both going to it was only a, you know maybe a couple of hundred he meters he had both to, bits of data right. both bits of data and uh Bingo! Basically, you know, he, he took took the fear from my mate, and, and and he took the fear from me, and, <laughs> and it was only about halfway through the actual ride that we realised that we're being duped here because he's he's taking two. He's fears. taking two full fears, yeah, yeah through two <laughs> different systems. So well, very very smart. I com- I commend uh, that that driver on his uh, uh, his his genius. Um, well, you know, it, look, it depends on a number of factors, but. Um, um, I had we had somebody in the in the studio here a few weeks ago who, when there was a reference to uh, Uber, he said, "Shame on you! You should never never use these ride sharing apps because they're not paying enough money to the drivers." Now, you know, I often talk to the drivers. I haven't had that yep. that sort of feedback um, as the sort of overwhelming feedback. I've definitely you know come across people like, "Well, I'd like to get more," and "Oh, we're using Ola more because we get a you know we earn a little bit more and." And so on, and you know, have people like, well, actually, it's really good because it just fits in when it, you know, when it suits me, and yeah. you know, supplements income. But um, you know, certainly, yeah, I'm I'm in support of the concept, but I, you know, people need to be paid fairly, and if if that's a solution that helps someone earn a little little bit more, and it doesn't rip <laughs> off the uh, the passengers too much. But I have been in that situation, and um, 
Miami actually in the US where exactly where that happened but it was with a cabbie and they were basically trying to charge both of us a full fare and the cab fares were nothing like Uber fares it was yeah. it was like <laughs> oh okay so you're getting you know 100 US dollars for this yeah. you know what wasn't a particularly long um, um, journey but anyway um, <laughs> we should move on there were there were yeah other um, other things to talk about this week and um, I guess you know CES Consumer Electronics Show is, is the big thing um, you know, the first sort of full week of January uh, every year in, in Las Vegas and I've tended to go maybe you know since the New Zealand Tech Podcast has been running probably uh, about you know one in every in every two years and um, it's a I mean absolutely crazy place to be because you've got uh, you know, over 150,000 people, you know, converged on the um, Las Vegas Convention Center and spread across all these hotels. It's just, you know, it's absolute mayhem. Um, and look, I went the last two years, so I decided this year, no, it's uh, it's middle of summer in New Zealand. I'm going to be doing things uh, uh, with the family and then, you know, keeping a track on uh, on on what's happening uh, online. And you know, in in some ways, uh, you know, you think of the number of hours that you you put in, um, you know, walking around and and getting to stuff there. Uh, in the same, if you put the same amount of time, and I wouldn't put that much time in, but you put the same amount of time into watching all the online coverage, you'd probably be, you know, in some ways more informed than those that are actually uh, on on the ground there, because you just spend, you know, so much time, you know, trudging around and uh, moving around in, in buses and Ubers and and, and the like. So. Not as fit though. Not as not as fit. Not as worn. Not as worn out. Um, so uh, anyway, a nice time away. Um, with my family doing um, a, a, a little bit of uh, a little bit of camping um, over the over the last few days as well, which was uh, which was nice. Um, but uh, yeah, I just wanted to you know maybe jump in on you know a couple of the interesting things from uh, from CES, and we don't want to make this a sort of a, a two hour long episode or anything, so um, we, we we won't be delving into um, all of the bits and pieces, but maybe just uh, you know jumping into one one or one or two of the uh, the highlights. Um, Samsung um, Bali, which uh, was you know was a big part of their uh, keynote or or Bali as I call it, having having read it B A L L I E, um, but they referred to it as as uh, as Bali, which you know, I don't know sounds a I don't know if that sounds more like a real name, but um, it looks like something off off Star Wars, a sort of cross between um, um, what's the this this the Star Wars. Um, Character, I'm trying. I'm trying to remember. It'll, oh, I can't remember. It'll it'll um it'll come back to me. But you know, basically this uh, this you know ball that rolls along that's got um, uh, Samsung um, you know digital assistant built into it. It's got a, a camera, and I mean, it just just looks like uh, looks like a you know a whole lot of fun. And um, you know, one of the use cases they showed off was. Uh, um, you know, you leave this thing in your in your house, and it can follow you around the house, and and so be that, um, you know, I guess a, equivalent of a, a Google Home or Amazon uh, Alexa um, a, assistant. Obviously, it's Samsung, so you know, Samsung, um, you know, Bixby. Uh, assistant technology, but they can actually follow you around the house rather than you know having this the smart speakers uh, set yeah. up. 
and uh, yeah, I mean, it, it, it looks um, yeah about the size of a sort of a you know a ball that you could you know hold in your hand. I'm I'm told um, yeah around the size of a, a chunky uh, uh, grapefruit. I think I read in uh, in in one uh, reference, maybe that was in in Gadget, uh, and. That one of the one of the use cases was to have it sort of you know keep your pets uh, occupied and entertained, entertained uh, <laughs> and during uh, uh, during the day while you're uh, while you while you're out of the house. Now uh, I don't know how well that would that would work, but uh, it, it looked uh, looked absolutely fascinating. And uh, oh, BB-8 was what I think what That's we were what one. we were BB-8. looking for I from hope, uh, hope, from Star Wars. Hope BB-8's actually sort of impervious to sort of canine teeth. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Well, that was uh, certainly one of one of the one of the one of the risks. If it, you know, if the more ball-like it is, the more risk you've got that the dog actually uh, tries to Has pick it up and return it to its owner, or do yeah. uh, you know uh, whatever. But um, boy, look, uh, you know, looks like a you know a, a bit of fun. And look, even if it's not something that that uh, you know in, ends up having mainstream adoption. Um, I'm I'm really interested in you know in kind of what's next in robotics, particularly sort of stuff in the you know in the home. For so many years, we, you know, we've been sold the sort of dream of the you know universal robot that can you know run around our house and you know pick up dishes and tidy up and you know do the the sweeping and this and that. We still seem to be caught with you know the the single use you know robotics we've still got the same you know dishwasher uh robot yeah. maybe the two drawer set from um yeah. um Fisher and Pike locally or you know what have you we've got these you know simple robots that can do uh one function um mm. uh, this uh, you know it looks like something that will be somewhat affordable and able to at least get around the house even though it's not going to be able to um mm. you know physically you know do do a whole lot but yeah i don't know it just seems like we've been waiting a, a long time the cost of of um you know consumer technology is, is coming down but we you know we haven't seen anything universal so i don't know another step in the right direction yeah i, I think it is so it'll probably tie into the whole um samsung uh, smart things sort of ecosystems so. yes yeah you'd, so, you'd you'd imagine so in fact yeah. the, the demo videos right yeah. showed uh an example of a, a of vacuum. a dog knocking a, some cereal i think off a off a table and then the um barley uh, or you know an automation being set up or Maybe maybe they didn't show the video, but where it was, you know, actually the uh, the owner was seeing the footage of oops, there's an accident happen and and triggering it. But then a way to you know trigger off the robotic vacuum cleaner, um, you know, which of course you know Sam, Samsung them, themselves uh, offer, and having that you know come along and uh, and tidy up the mess. Yeah, well, you, you could have you know talk, talking to your phone sort of uh, through Bixby saying um hey the. Uh, the, the the guy for actually delivering the uh, things at the door basically go and open the door for him and uh, you, you know Samsung Smart Things has got quite an ecosystem and all there and uh, yeah 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 uh, look that's um, you know the the dots have have definitely started to be joined up it still seems with um, you know the the these different gadgets that you can tie together. Um, mm. That you've got to be reasonably geeky and willing to sit down and spend a bit of time to actually get them, you yeah. know, doing the sorts of things that uh, that that you would want, right? Like, yeah. uh, you know, 
um, yeah, what, whatever, whatever it is, yes, you can have, you know, smart things to you know, you know, smart uh, garage door openers and and all sorts of bits and pieces, but it's still a, a quite a niche um, yeah. niche usage, isn't it? But you've got a bit set up in your home. What what sort of gadgetry oh, yeah, have you got? Yeah, we we do. I mean, I've I've got I've got vacuums and uh, yeah, yeah, a whole lot of you know bio type stuff to sort of measure how things are going um, and gaming uh, Google Homes all, all of these things I'm experimenting yeah. with all of it yeah. but you know Samsung creates you know terabytes of data a day from all of these things and, yeah. and we're helping them to actually measure the effectiveness of the execution of these tasks oh, right, what, okay. what is the you know, what what is the success rate basically? Why why are they failing when they do fail? So that right. we can actually put that back into the actual loop, so into that they can um, make make it actually more effective going forward. So, oh, okay. Yeah, Samsung, great great partner of Sumo Logic. Oh, nice, nice. Oh, good uh, good plug there for <laughs> two of our Joe partners. Very very, uh, very nicely uh, squeezed in there, Stephen. Um, now. Yeah. Oh, look. So many, so many things from CES, um, cars. I think um, uh, Sony surprised by bringing out a, um, basically a, an an, a, uh, an EV, an electric vehicle yeah. um, prototype, uh, sort of onto the stage. Now, usually, I do go to the Sony uh, um, press events. So, if, you know, I've been there. I probably would have been able to have a oh. um, have a little bit of a. Um, you know, a, a, a closer look. But the interesting thing about this was um, they called it the Vision S. So, you know, it is a concept car and Sony basically said, well, we're not actually planning to launch any cars soon, but, you know, they're using it as a as a technology, uh, you know, demonstration to, uh, you know, show off what sorts of things with Sony cameras and um, and, you know, other screens and you know bits and pieces of technology uh, that they could offer to uh, you know automakers who might partner um, with them. But yeah, look like a really, really, uh, really slick um, vehicle and, and EV. And you're thinking, well, I, I wish actually they were uh, uh, they were bringing this to market. But I guess it you know it. it, it it just triggers so many thoughts. If Sony can actually pull together yeah. uh, an electric vehicle design that looks basically complete, uh, just to demonstrate what they could offer, and this, uh, to this is actually a drivable on the road vehicle. It's not just a like a one time prototype. That's right. It's uh, it's fantastic. Um, I, I mean, it just yeah, it, it says um, yeah, it says uh, you know a, a, a whole yeah a, a whole lot. To me, around you know, just where where vehicles are are developing, I, you know, I guess over you know over the last few weeks, we've also seen um, the share price of of Tesla, you know, skyrocket to yeah, you know where it, where it, yeah. it, it really you know it's dwarfing um, you know the other US um, you know automakers. Yeah. And um, yeah, the, I mean, I, you know, I, I guess I see sort of a correlation there between. The impact Apple had on um, the the mobile phone market, mm-hmm. and you know where they where they've ended up in terms of profitability, and and you know what the potential is for uh, for Tesla, and you know of course even you know over these last um, you know few weeks since since the last sort of um, 
episode that um, that I recorded in in December, um, you know, I've had a bunch of updates, you know, come come through On for the, the for the for the Tesla, which is, yeah. you know, is to me is just sort of pushing home uh, how how um, you know how different you know Tesla are in terms of the you know what what they're bringing to uh, you know to cars and look. You know, you've got to imagine, you know, everyone else is going to be in a similar space at some point, but they are still right now in a different space, and they're starting to build up, uh, not in everybody's minds, but I think uh, they're, they're certainly, you know, attracting all sorts of attention. And it was interesting, just you know, tripping around over the, over the break and just the different comments I would get from just completely random mm-hmm. uh, strangers of, of all walks of life, uh, you know, referencing, you know, Tesla and in, in one way or another. I mean, their, their brand seems to be getting that sort of, you know, halo around it, um, like what Apple got in, in, yep. in, in phones. Yep. And... Um, I don't know. There's some. There's some. There's some good and there's some bad to that because yeah. I, you know, I, you, you, um, you know, and at the moment they've got such a tiny market share in New Zealand and and globally that I, you know, I don't think there's uh, there, there's there's any issues. But um, yeah, you, you, yeah, I actually don't. I wouldn't want them to do too well. Put it that way. Yeah, I, I think <laughs> um, you know, Tesla's unique at the moment is they've got the vertical integration sort of all the way basically from you know the, the UX experience and the software down through the whole you know the hardware platform the only thing that's sort of really outside of that is you know Panasonic's sort of agreement around the provi- provision of the batteries and that starts going mm. over time as well as the, the Maxell technology starts coming in that and the they've likes. acquired yeah so, so yeah. what what Sony's trying to do here is very very smart they're trying to actually uh, partner up with the other players like like you know, your your Porsches, your Volkswagen groups and all those types of things to say, here's an opportunity for you to actually have a full top to bottom vertical integration capability. We've got all the we've got all all these pieces. We've got uh, and, the image sensors, uh, yeah. I saw reference to oh, solid state LIDAR technology, the, yeah, the varying batteries, sensors, the, the cameras, um, yeah, the software. All all, yeah. all of those pieces. And that's what those traditional car manufacturers lack. Mm. But if they can actually put these together, like um, you know, Porsche plus basically the vertical stack on top of it, mm. they've also got the same sort of vertical integration stack that uh, that um, you know the likes of Tesla is actually you know taking advantage of it. Yeah, I, you know, yeah. When you when you look at it, they're used to buying in all these different pieces. Somebody provides the you know the entertainment system. Somebody provides this yeah. and that and so on. You, and you can't yep. just you know push an update across all of it because well that's a different vendor that that that, that, that do, does that piece. And so this is an aggregation play for them. Yeah, big time. yeah. Yep. Well, I I wish them um, all the best. I you know I've got to say. They they did a you know a, a great uh, a great job with uh, um, with that demonstration anyway and uh, yeah if they had one of those cars uh, uh, down here um, or or yeah if there was any way to try it out I'd be giving it uh, giving it a spin <laughs> you know in fact it's got these you know big screens um, in the you know the behind the front seats for passengers which we've seen in in you know we've seen that sort of thing in years gone by but you know I've had that's been one of the questions people oh yeah. is there screens in the back and, what do you think um, of the design. Of the I thought the design was um, pretty special as well. It sort of um, looked quite Porsche, sort of like. In yeah, its yeah. Design. There was sort of Language. a yeah, uh, definitely some.
Porsche-esque uh, elements to it and some other bits that were a, yeah, a bit sort of, you know, Tesla-like. Um, yeah, it was kind of a, yeah, it was, it was a bit of a mix, but, uh, I, you know, yeah, they, 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 did a, they did a pretty slick job, I've got to say. So, yeah. you know, I can... Um, yeah, I definitely give them give them points for it. You know, like the um, yeah the Tesla Model Three is a nice sort of you know glass ceiling as well. Yeah. There's you know uh, yeah a, a a whole bunch of nice elements and 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 that's without you know having even got to see it uh, uh, see it in, in in person just on um, you know some of the some of the media coverage around it. So um, yeah, very very cool. Um, now these are just yeah. Um, Two two um, pieces of CES. There was the um, um, the uh, Segway uh, nine bot, um, I guess, sort of prototype of a of a coming um, world um, uh, wheel wheelchair. I guess you could sort of a, a very smart wheelchair on um, um, on on. On two wheels, so really drawing on that thing that the the Segway brand was known for, and of course Segway got um, you know their brand got acquired uh, by the Chinese company um, Ninebot. Um, but this uh, egg-shaped uh, sort of you know ride-on scooter come uh, wheelchair uh, type device, which I think is um, yeah you know, is still a little way off, but uh, I think they're talking around a. I don't know, 30, um, 35 to 40 kilometer an hour, you know, potential top speed pretty good. Uh, is is pretty impressive. And, and this is real? It's real. Uh, you know, a bunch yeah. of Junos until one of them crashed it because it, you control it. Unlike the uh, the traditional, uh, you know, Segway where, you'd, you know, you'd have the handlebars and you'd, you know, be able to lean and stuff to, um, yeah. you know, control your movement. You control it with a joystick. And uh, one of the journalists that was trying it out, I guess it was still at sort of somewhat prototype uh, stage, uh, managed to break the joystick on it and uh, <laughs> so went careering into a wall. Um, so, <laughs> and the LiDAR didn't that, kick in and they, sort of like yeah. kind of put the braking on. Yeah, yeah so they, they, uh, I think they might have had to um, stop the uh, the rides after that. But um, yeah, the S-Pod it's called. But uh, yeah, look, looks uh, look, looks quite uh, quite futuristic, I've, I've got Got to say, so, oh, I'm going to have to look into yeah, that one. I, yeah. I looked at a bike video sort of on YouTube a while ago that had something similar to that, but uh, then at the end I found it was actually released on the 1st of April and it wasn't real yet. Oh, so that's right, why right, I asked. Right. Yeah, yeah, no, fair, <laughs> fair, fair, fair enough. Um, so, yeah, I mean, those were, were just three. We had news of um, Sonos kicking off a court case with, uh, uh, with, with Google around, you know, home speakers and patents and things like that it sounds like they've uh, they've lost some you know they've run out of patience with with trying to get maybe quite the right uh, results out of uh, out of Google and, and Amazon I think they, they want their their speakers which you know they're able to run with uh, or they you know support Amazon Alexa and um, um, and and Google home but for someone just to be able to say you know hey Google or you know 
hey Alexa and have those sort of concurrently both listening and they haven't been able to they've been sort of blocked by that uh, and I think that you know they felt that their patents have been getting um, you know stomped on a, a bit um, mm. so they've um, they've they've uh, taken Google to court which is, is quite an, uh, yeah. an, un- an undertaking so that'll be an interesting one to follow but yeah a whole lot more uh, uh, gadgets and um, vertical takeoff and, and landing vehicles and, and, and cars and so on um, shown off at CES, um, but before we uh, before we fin- finish up today, there were um, so you know a couple of bits that I wanted to uh, also mention New Zealand wise. Uh, so we've had uh, you know streaming video in New Zealand. Um, since before Netflix was uh, officially available, of course, listeners to this show and 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 others would have, you know maybe were were accessing Netflix over a, a VPN uh, before it became available. But um, during that period, we saw uh, Lightbox uh, mm-hmm. launch in in New Zealand. I, I can't remember now actually how far ahead of of Netflix they were, but I, I'm pretty sure they About they, a year they, or so. they uh, yeah. you know had a reasonable jump on on Netflix, uh, and of course uh, so and that was Spark that, that launched that and then uh, you know Sky had their uh, neon service and we've had varying other things and, and, and sport things uh, but then you know one of the bits of bits of news um, I, during my time overseas was that uh, Sky are acquiring uh, Lightbox from uh, Spark and they will ultimately you know be merging that in some way with their uh, with their neon service so um, yep. yeah that that's um, I think a, a reasonably sort of logical step when oh. we look at just how much market share that Lightbox and Neon local players were, were, were able to take uh, up against the sort of global, um, you know, behemoth of, of, of Netflix. And, yeah. of course, now we've got... Um, yeah. Disney, you know, Plus, Disney, uh, Disney Plus. Disney Plus. You know, Amazon Prime. Yep. Uh, so, you know, there, there's, you know, a growing number of international services just have this, you know... Massive budget and scale, and look, I you know I I I think it I think it really you know makes sense, um, and look I you know I hope hope that pans out well. You know I've said on numerous occasions, let's support the local things. Yeah. Um, you know we want to have local um, you know companies that are succeeding up against these uh, the, these global players, and I think they've got a better chance of doing yeah. that as as a merged entity than. Uh, as, as separate entities. Yeah, correct. And uh, you know, I think Sky is um, you know, certainly doing a reinvention of how they aggregate their content. And um, Lightbox sort of in that in that mix is going to be compelling. Mm. Um, now, for those worrying that they're going to lose access to uh, Lightbox, maybe they get it free at the moment through a you know Spark their, 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 their their Spark plan. You know, it sounds like certainly in the, in the short term, there's no. Um, you know, there's not expected to be any any changes uh, to that, so yeah, that'll certainly be something that we'll we'll follow a little bit over time. Um, now, towards the end of last year, we had uh, the the announcement that Chorus are launching their faster uh, fibre uh, services in uh, in New Zealand, and I got uh, information through from. Um, uh, Orcon, who are of course one of the brands um, of Vocus, who are one of the partners of the, the uh, New Zealand Tech Podcast, um, and um, Orcon have jumped on board. Appear to be the first 
um, internet service provider, telco, that are launching these uh, new plans. So they have a four gigabit per second up and down uh, plan uh, launching in New Zealand uh, this week at $199 for um, un- unlimited. And this is obviously... Uh, comes down to chorus, you know, making the services available, and those will be sort of slowly uh, rolling out around uh, around the country. So, um, you know, starting uh, in in the the South Island, uh, and then you know, slowly you know, moving on to to varying varying parts of the country. Uh, before I think we're looking probably September timeframe when when these will be broadly available uh, to those that have um, you know access to choruses ultra-fast broadband. So, um, yeah, very nice for some if you can get it. I think Arrowtown was was right at the top of the list. I'll be in uh, Arrowtown over the next uh, uh, week or two. I don't know whether um, Orcon will be able to uh, uh, give me a chance to uh, to try out their uh, their their services, but um, you know, a, a little jealous of those in uh, Arrowtown who are at the <laughs> at the top of the list uh, for for getting the uh, the new services. And look, you know, one hundred ninety nine dollars uh, for an unlimited service. Um, yeah. You know, presuming that they can uh, deliver, you know, some um, you know some good and appropriate uh, you know bandwidth both you know locally and and internationally to. Uh, um, to those that, that subscribe, um, yeah. you know, that, that sounds like a, you know, a, a pretty good arrangement. Of course, you'll need the right devices Absolutely. that can uh, you know leverage yeah. and, and take advantage of that. And you know, most cases, that's probably not going to be home environments. That's going to be where you've got you know a bunch of users needing to move around a reasonable uh, some reasonable chunks of data. But you know, uh-huh. boy, it's uh, it's awesome having that option available. I'm, I'm up for it. You know, I, I turned on Mark Callender, the uh, CEO of. Um of the Vocus Group's yep. um, DSL about 15 years ago. Maybe he could come around to my place and commission my new four gig one on, <laughs> on, on this new one. Come on, Mark. <laughs> Mark, if you're listening. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, and it, and it, look, it, it's pro- it might be uh, might be time to get. Um, uh, you know, maybe get um, you know Mark or, or one of the one of the team from um, from Vocus, Vocus and, uh, you know, yeah. back on the show for a, you know, for, a, for, a, for a bit of an update. Yeah, so, bring it uh, on, Vocus. Uh, yeah. So look, uh, it's it's good, and you know, I remember um, you know right at the beginning with the ultra fast broadband that you know Orcon were you know were right at the forefront there, right. and, and in fact, I think um, you know I actually you know moved to a house that was able to get ultra fast broadband. I was so keen to uh, to try it out. And uh, it was at that stage. It was um, you know Vodafone put me on their trial, and and Orcon you know connected me up. So um, uh, you know they uh, they were they were both uh, you know at, at the very um, uh, you know the at, the at the earlier yeah. at the earlier um, you know end of things. And um, so look. Um, you know, good, good on uh, Orcon for being at the uh, the the forefront there, and uh, no doubt we'll be hearing from you know some of our other um, uh, telcos in the not too distant future about uh, about them coming on board. But uh, look, we we need to have um, you know some who are going to just jump in there and be be ready, uh, you know, right at the beginning. And I imagine there'll be more. Um, now, also on the uh, the front of broadband, uh, Pacific, who we had on the podcast, boy, it must be over a year ago now. Uh, they've finally got their uh, their satellite um, 
has gone up into space on the SpaceX launch. Uh, it was December uh, 6, 16, and services will be uh, start becoming available in, in New Zealand over the next uh, next few weeks, early early February, I hear. Um, and we'll, we'll be getting full details of their plans, and so we'll be talking about that a little bit more, I think, on, on a future uh, episode, but they've got a, a sort of a, a residential uh, plan uh, there, which you know would be relevant to you know any scenario where you maybe don't have any other um, good connectivity options that are sort of VDSL type speeds, but it will cover. Um, I'm not sure. I don't think it covers the Chathams, but it will cover pretty much you know every other part of uh, of New Zealand with a um, speeds of 40 megabits per second down, 15 uh, megabits per second up. Uh, and um, yeah, if if you've got nothing else, then um, I think there would be a few people sort of uh, you know potentially celebrating that, and then some faster speeds. And I th- I saw some uh, reference there um, when I first looked at this to a, and certainly there's a reference to a gigabit type speed, which is going to need a I think a much bigger sort of satellite dish to to get it. Um, they've got faster plans for uh, for. For uh, for business as well, yeah. Um, so yeah, there's a there's a bunch of offerings that are that are coming, and this won't just cover New Zealand, you know, Pacific Islands, you know, yeah, bunch of parts parts yeah. of Asia and and so on as well. So, mm. um, you know, I think th- there'll be a bunch of people where this is going to be, uh, you know, a, a, a very uh, nice addition to you know to what they've got at the moment, or as a backup, you know, connection. You know, something happens with it, with whatever they've got um, to have this one in in place to uh, you know fill in in those those times. It's certainly, you know, helpful when there's disasters and other scenarios to be able yeah. to uh, um, you know get it get a satellite dish up and running to to provide some connectivity. Yeah, the the fixed wireless sort of uh, plans that are really top out at around 120 gigs. So having unlimited um, at, at those sort of speeds for people doing streaming like Twitch and stuff like that, absolutely yeah. perfect. So yeah, yeah, I know well, some customers. Oh yes, that's good. That's good. Well, well Spark, uh, you know, I think announced um, you know last year up to you know 600. Um, um, 600 um, gigabyte, Gig. not unlimited plans, but um, yeah, 600, 600 gigs. But that's not available, you know, everywhere, everywhere. you know, across yeah. their uh, uh, um, their their LTE network. Of course, we're starting to see 5G now, um, yeah. you know, come on board as well. So, uh, look, good for us to have. Lot, you know, lots of options and yeah. uh, and, a, and a bit more uh, competition. So, we'll we'll certainly be looking to uh, to fill in a, a few more gaps on that, and, and hopefully, um, you know, to put the um, you know Pacific um, you know through it, through its paces as we see um, some internet service providers um, you know jump on board with them and, and plans start to become available. Nice. Good, good. Well, thank you everybody for uh, for listening in. This has been a bit of a mega episode, and there's still lots more to uh, you know to, to to talk about over the over the weeks ahead. Uh, I'm going to be on the road around uh, different parts of um, uh, New Zealand over the next uh, next fortnight. Be putting the uh, the Tesla Model Three sort of through its paces on a on a longer uh, journey. So. Uh, that will be uh, that will be a bit of a bit of fun and interesting just to, just to see how our uh, um, our charging networks uh, cater to uh, uh, 
um, you know, doing some some longer time on the road with uh, with an electric uh, vehicle. Uh, so uh, yeah, there should be some uh, some interesting episodes coming up um, over the over the next few weeks. So thanks everyone for listening in, and uh, great to have you listening in for uh, for twenty. Twenty and uh, look, thank you again to uh, our wonderful partners that are uh, supporting the show: Samsung, HP, Vocus, Spark, Vodafone, and of course uh, Sumo Logic. So um, yeah, thanks, uh, Stephen, for uh, for joining the show. Most welcome. And if people are wanting to get in touch, what's the best way to uh, uh, to hit you up if um, if Sumo Logic sounds oh, like uh, no, pro- probably, um, something um, relevant? You're on LinkedIn. I'm on LinkedIn's probably the best thing. You know, Stephen yep. Phillips, Stephen with a PH, uh, Phillips two L's. Uh, you'll find me there. Uh, my mobile number, every every way to get in touch with me is uh, all it's on all LinkedIn. Excellent, excellent. Well, thanks everyone for uh, for listening in, and we'll catch you uh, on the next episode next week. All right, see ya. The New Zealand Tech Podcast, brought to you by Gorilla Technology, proactive and strategic IT.